But anyway, um, we were we were there, uh, and we had some customers from Australia who were driving, you know, around the world in their Earth cruisers. They you know, just started their trip, you know. They built the trucks, so went through Asia, and now they're in the United States. And uh, they went to that show, and somebody saw that and said, I had no idea. There was nothing like that had ever existed before in the United States. Hello, Ben Beeves, and welcome to the Career Lift Podcast, where we bring you impactful guests, industry professionals, messages, and advice on how you can begin to create the career of your dreams and succeed in your path. Tune in weekly on Mondays and give your career a lift. Welcome to this episode of the Career Lift Podcast. Today we are joined by Lance, CEO and founder of Earth Cruiser Overland Vehicles. Earth Cruisers are Overland vehicles engineered for adventure. An Earth Cruiser is your go anywhere, do anything adventure machine for life. You can take these vehicles anywhere and can live in them as well. Both Lance and his co-founder, Michelle, have extensive experience in four-wheel drive travel all over the world and began Earth Cruiser in Australia after designing the off-roading vehicle of their dreams for themselves and realizing that others needed and wanted it as well. Thank you for being here, Lance, and welcome. Oh, good evening. Thank you for having us. We really do appreciate it. Absolutely. I've seen Earth Cruiser cruising around town a little bit. I think about a year ago is the first time I saw it. And I just remember thinking, oh, what is that? And just heard some people talking about it. And it's my dream to have one of those one day. It's my dream next year to move into a van. So maybe after my first van, I can get an Earth Cruiser eventually. Step by step. That's the trick. Step by step. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Isn't it great that they made yeah, that's, a, that's probably our biggest thrill is we make them, make them here. I mean, that's, that's really exciting to us that we make them here. You know, it's not, we don't, uh, you know, assemble bits and pieces. No, we actually make them here. It's, that's really special to us. That is really special. How long has Earth Cruiser been in Bend, Oregon? Uh, so we've, we've been building in Bend, uh, just over six years now. So, okay. Uh, I, I would say, like everybody knows, starting a business, you know, of course, everything goes perfectly smoothly and there's never any problems. I mean, you know, that's what the idea, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> Uh, so, so getting our act together, figuring out how to build them here, you know, starting to understand what the uh, landscape looks like for manufacturing, that sort of stuff. That took me, me personally, a while to figure out. Uh, I, I made some terrible, terrible rookie mistakes, um, which I'd love to talk about. So, absolutely, seriously building for about five years. Well, I would say seriously building. And yeah, we just we just get busier and busier every year. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I would love to hear about some of your mishaps. First though, just as a little intro for the listeners who don't know, could you describe just a little bit about Earth Cruiser and then what, what the company is all about? Okay, what we do. So um, we tell us well, we tell ourselves we, we really are a travel company that just happens to build vehicles. I mean the the reason we do what the reason we exist is because we love to travel not for the sake of, you know, colouring in a passport, but because we strongly believe that travel changes people. If you put yourself in an interesting place, you start to, by nature, question a lot of things when, when things are different, right? And, there, you know, there's thousands of terrific poets come back and they all basically the same say the same thing, 
when you come back to where you come from, you'll see it differently. And that's, in essence, what we're about is, yes, we build vehicles, but we build vehicles in a way where you can see a lot of the world that you probably wouldn't see or wouldn't be comfortable or feel confident to see. So an Earth Cruiser, by def definition, is your little ecosystem, it's little, your little power system, anywhere you want to take it on the planet. And people say, well, hang on, I can do that with a Sprinter van. Absolutely you can, but there's limitations. And so our mission was to design those limitations out from an engineering point of view. With a passion for travel, a, a love for perfection and engineering, that's where Earth Cruiser, that's where the, the Earth Cruiser worlds collide. So, yeah, it's, it's on wheels, but really it's a little ecosystem that just wants to take you places. It becomes alive and it's exciting and it's wonderful and you meet like-minded people and, you know, those compromises, we engineer those compromises out, you know. We don't care if it snows. We don't care if it floods. We don't care if it rains. We don't care if it's, you know, it's scorching hot in the Sierra Desert. We don't care. We've engineered a lot of those issues out of our vehicles. That's what we do. So I know you have a lot of experience in off-road and four-wheel drive travel and other adventures like that. Is that kind of how the Earth Cruiser journey got started? It was, absolutely. So Michelle and I actually met in the Rainforest Challenge in Malaysia. The Rainforest Challenge is an off-road event. It's a, it's a, uh, it used to be Camel Trophy. I don't know if you guys would be too familiar with that. It, it was uh, absolutely machine versus jungle. And so the Rainforest Challenge has changed now, but when we were doing it, it was, it, it was, it was hard. You were literally winching yourself across raging rivers. You were building log bridges. You were sleeping on bamboo sticks, and that went for two weeks. And if you won, it was a competition. If you won, you'd get a trophy worth maybe $2. But it was, uh, uh, you know, 45 countries entered. It was a, you know, a selection criteria to be able to enter. Uh, it's unsupported. It, you are on your own. And so so just give you a bit of a glimpse, that's where Michelle and I met. So both of us just love being outside. We don't love putting ourselves in difficult situations. You know, there's calculated risk, but we love, you know, we just love life. and We just love different cultures and want to see different things uh, and we'd love to get outside, you know. So, yes, so to answer your question, Earth Cruiser came around because that's the sort of style of travel we like. And don't get me wrong, there is no no first prize for being the most miserable in the bush. You know, we it's not about how miserable you can make yourself and say you're a legend. It's got nothing to do with that. And and that's that's I think that's kind of the fine point. There's a difference between being miserable and finding you know, you know finding a few things out about yourself and you know your fellow humans, you know. So so anyway, so yeah, we have that background, and my background is in specialty vehicle building. So I've done all sorts of off-road racing, done all sorts of real extreme events, and driven all over Australia, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and with with those, especially vehicle building, that sort of passion for travel, it was inevitable. Earth Cruiser would get built, I guess. <laughs> it was just had to happen. You know, it gets every the same. Gets the point. You know, we we looked around. You know, we, we could have had any sort of Land Cruiser or Nissan Patrol or whatever that, we could have had any of that sort of stuff. But there are too many compromises. 
from an engineering perspective, they, the, the, I know it's a little bit dull for some, but from an engineering perspective, they would always be adapted to what we wanted rather than designed for. And it made more sense to me with my background was to design something for long-distance expedition travel where you're comfortable. And that meant, you know, a really good full drive system for me and Michelle also, but also meant a really comfortable bed, you know, inside bathroom, just stuff, you know. But it most importantly, it had to be completely independent. It didn't matter where we were that this little ecosystem of ours was going to take care of it and we would take, you know, it was going to take care of us and we'd take care of it. And so I know it, it sounds like they become almost human, but they really do because the uh, you can see how you get attached to, to a boat, you know. The, the, if, you have, if you have something that's really fulfilling what you so passionately want to do, it becomes really special. There's a trick there where... A point comes if you're not careful, your stuff controls you. You don't control your stuff, you know. You can have so much stuff, wondering where you're going to store it. Well, who's winning on that one, you know. There's, so there's a trick there. And so our design approach was very – always designing with end in mind, you know. What is it we want this thing to do for us? You know, what is it we're trying to get out of this for us? And – that we, we made one for us. The way the system works in Australia is if you're going to do this, you could, we could just make one for us, but to really do it properly, you go through a second stage manufacturing. So we essentially started, well, essentially, we started a company in Australia called Earth Cruiser. It was actually a slightly different name than Dunbar. Um, but we started a manufacturing company that was to build um, production expedition vehicles. By doing that, it meant that an earth cruiser could be registered, insured in its own right. And that was important because when we were traveling all over the place, if it was a modified something, it becomes very problematical moving a vehicle through borders. Well, what is it? You know, what does the paperwork say? Does the paperwork say, uh, you know, it's, paperwork says one thing, but the border guard's looking at something else in a different language. And so now we've got all sorts of unnecessary problems. If we took it all the way back and said, well, no, we'll build a vehicle from scratch, we'll, we'll call it an earth cruiser, we'll have the registration paper, we'll say an earth cruiser, it says earth cruiser on the front of the vehicle for the border guard, he says, well, that's just a really nice car and so much easier. Uh, downside to that, it takes about two years to get that through all the federal government compliance. So that, yeah, so that took a long time. Uh, we didn't necessarily want to start a business doing it, but it made sense after that. After you go through that much trouble, go, okay, well, fine. We started started a business doing it in Australia. It did extremely well. Uh, one of you, you know, people say, well, hang on, how did you get to, how did you uh, get to the United States? The answer is pretty simple, a bit bizarre, really, but simple. Uh, my wife is American, Michelle's American. Her folks live in Portland. Uh, they're quite well, but they're, you know, getting on a little bit, and uh, her mum rung her up and said, listen, you really need to come home. You sound too much like Lance. You've been away too long. Uh, you need to come home for a while. And and it, it was just the right thing to do. And so uh, we moved to the you know, uh, nearly 10 years ago now. Uh, we packed up our Labrador, jumped on an aeroplane, 
landed in Portland and I used to commute backwards and forwards to Australia. So we had started the manufacturing uh, premises in Australia and I I used to commute from Portland to Brisbane, Australia every five weeks. That was, yeah, it's great. I got really good at it. Uh, it, was okay. it, was, it was the right thing to do. And uh, after a little while, we, we um, there was called the Overland Expo in Arizona, and they just started. And I, I don't know if it was the first one or the second one. I can't remember. There was maybe 12 or 14 vendors. You know, there's was, was nothing. Now there's 500. You know, now it's insane. But anyway, um, we, were, we were there. Uh, and we had some customers from Australia who were driving, you know, around the world in their Earth cruisers. They just started their trip, you know. They built the trucks, so once they're Asia and now they're in the United States. And uh, they went to that show. And somebody saw that and said, I had no idea. There was nothing like that had ever existed before in the United States. I said, what the heck is that? Where do I get one? And Michael said, oh, Lance is over there. You should go talk to him. Uh, we had no no method, no idea how to build stuff in the U.S., absolutely no clue, but people wanted to buy it. And so, oh, well, I guess we'll just figure it out. And that's how it started. It wasn't we necessarily come to the U.S. to, the, the US to you know, expand our business empire. It had nothing to do with that. It was just purely because we wanted to spend some time with the family. That was it. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. So, so at that point, you – well, okay, actually, rewinding a little bit. You originally started building the Earth Cruiser just for yourself. Is that what you're saying? And didn't didn't intend to sell it. It was just so you could have a vehicle that would work for you, essentially. Because, exactly, because yeah. there's no, nothing else. So when you moved to the U.S., at that point, you were manufacturing them in Australia. So at that point, you had started a business, but you hadn't figured out how to start it in the U.S. We had, yeah, correct. I had no, idea. I had no clue, no idea. And so, so just think about it for a minute. So, all right, so you've, you've got these customers, you know, an Earth Cruise in Australia is 220 something thousand dollars, you know, and and people, and, and they go, oh, great, we've ordered our Earth Cruise, that's terrific, that's wonderful. And I said, I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm leaving the country, but don't worry, I'll be back. <laughs> you want to talk about customer trust, that was pretty big. So, yeah, that was pretty special. Wow, that's a pretty cool story. I like that. Um... <laughs> I love hearing stories of just where entrepreneurs kind of start building things for themselves and then realize that other people need it too. I think that's where a lot of, a lot of businesses start is just somebody sees a problem that in their own life and then uh, goes to fix it. And then other people are like, Hey, I have that same problem too. It, it's, it's really common. I mean, you know, you, yeah, as you, it, it's not that unusual, is it? You know, it, it is that, um, you know, an, uh, an active mind to try and find a solution and, and goes from there. And sometimes it's a terrible idea, but sometimes it works out, you know. So, and that's the, that's the balance. And and the other part that, that is hard, and and someone told me this a long time ago, and it's really true, is that okay? So now now your passion has turned into your business. Be careful that you just make sure you stop and smell the roses. Meaning that just be careful that you don't. Don't let it own you too much. Now, remember what you started it for. You know what I mean? And because if you're not careful, one day you're going to wake up and, and blink and go, well, hang on a second. I've made an awful lot of other people got them what they wanted and what did I get? You know what I mean? I might, may or may not have made a few pennies, but did I really get what I was after? You know? Sure. Happens a lot. 
happens a lot, you know? Yeah. So be careful about that. It's balance. It's tricky. It's tricky. That's good advice. Yeah. I mean, especially for you, I'm sure, like, you still want to get out and explore and, and get out in your own Orbaland vehicle. Yeah, we do it all the time. I mean, we um, we just come back from Croatia, being very COVID safe, uh, planning yep. a trip. We'll have an over an uh, Earth Cruiser owners trip through Europe, and we wanted to go through Croatia um, earlier this year or in Turkey, doing the same thing. So yeah, we and, and this is the other part which I think is so important. If you're going to start a business, I think one of the most important things you do is get great people around you. I am so fortunate. I mean. And I, and I can't, Ben is really good at this, but really I think it's just uh, being open, being open and being somewhat vulnerable uh, to get some great people around you, you know. I work with phenomenal people here. I mean, just, I've got to tell you, I, I'm just so grateful for the people I get to go to work with every single day. You know, it's just wonderful. And, and, and the only reason... Uh, Michelle and I get to do all the things we get to do is because of the fantastic people we get to work with every single day. You know? I own the business. That's not, that, you know, what does owning a business mean? You know, it's, it's just the name. If, you know, we all go to work, go to work with great people. You know, you've got to go to work with great people. It's just, it's always the people, always. You know, we have a terrific, terrific um, board of advisors that, you know, everybody has their bad days, you know. Everybody, nobody can have all of the experience, you know. Go and find those people, and they're out there. They want to help. You know, you've just, you know, not, not a shoulder to cry on, just to say, listen, I'm trying to figure this out. Do you know anybody who knows anybody? It'll make a world of difference. And I can promise you, those people are out there that have the experience and they want to help. They really do. And it will make it'll save a lot of pain, anguish, and suffering. A real yeah, lot. To find is it to find good people. Well, it in, in both ways. People that you know you want to work with day to day, and people mm-hmm. that you want to take advice from. Sure. There, you know, I, I I don't think it's a good idea for us to take our own advice too much. You know, it's pretty hard sometimes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Take. Advice from friends and family, not always a genius idea. But having those outside voices, it can make a world of difference. You know, there's pretty well any large successful organisation, they have a team of advisors that they go to. You know, they're, they're trusted. And mm-hmm. most of the time, those, those advisors just shut up and listen. They just listen to what's going on because more often than not, they've been there before. They know how this is going to work out. They just understand that that business person is just trying to figure a few things out and get it out of their head. You know, um, their partner at home doesn't want to hear it anymore. Their partner at home doesn't want to hear it when they go for a drive. Their partner at home is over it. Mm-hmm. But you still need to talk. You need to talk. Yep, Absolutely. Yeah, I think I found that in my own my own journey, especially is just I I'm I'm I started a business last year and I'm still kind of in the beginning stages. But what are you doing? I'm starting a fishing gear company for women. Oh, fabulous! Yeah, I work in I work in Alaska during the summers at a fishing lodge, and the fishing gear for women is terrible. And so, um, so yeah, I've I've been working the past year to develop prototypes and pitch my pitch my company and uh, 
and really the I like would not be where I am today or really wouldn't have even maybe even started it without all the support and mentors and and people that I've surrounded myself by and I've been overwhelmed by the people in the community who um, who've just like stepped in to help and mentor me and isn't that great? I mean, that's, isn't that really special? That's it is. You, you don't get that just anywhere, you know. It, you know it, it, there's just something about uh, you know people really want to lift you up, not push you down. It's it's terrific. It's really, really, yeah, it's great. I've been is really a terrific place for uh, for that and entrepreneurs and people are so supportive and it's really it's a good community. So, and, and all you got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. And the tricky part is, well, who do I ask? Oh, yeah, you start by asking. You know, that's, that's, yep. That's, that's all you got to do. Exactly. Yeah. One of my, maybe not one of my favorite quotes, but in this, in this um, instance, I, I like the quote: "If you never ask, the answer is always no." Yeah, that's true. So you have to put yourself out there to be vulnerable or to get rejected in order to actually find what you're looking for. I guess you could say. But that, but that's part of it, right? I mean, you, you, you've got to build that muscle. You, you, you know, um, you've got to leave, you've got to leave your feelings and uh, and ego out the door on a very small hook. Absolutely. Would you explain a little bit more about how you started manufacturing in Bend, or how you started in Bend, and then how you figured out how to transition the business from Australia to Bend? Okay. All right. So, so picture this, right? Um, the, the, the reason we got to Bend, uh, or why Bend, um, this is, is that we, um, uh, Michelle's mum and dad, you know, Portland's a beautiful town, don't get me wrong, right? but I grew up being able to go to the beach whenever I felt like it, sunshine, warm, never hardly owned a jumper in my life, you know what I mean, just... Uh, Portland, we arrived, and it was, and there was a um, an ice storm, and I was walking along, feeling cold, wet, and miserable with our little Labrador, and I said to myself, "Self, this is not going to work. I can't do this." And so, anyway, so uh, I said to Michelle's dad, I said, "You know, to the family, what's a fair driving distance?" And we both agreed, three and a half, four hours was fair driving distance you know, for a 24-hour aeroplane ride or travel time. And so uh, and we literally got a paper, you know, map and a piece of string and that was – and it ran through a place called Bend. Hired a car, didn't have a car, so we hired a car, didn't need a car, you know, car was in Australia. Um, hired a car, put Michelle and myself and Goldie, our lab, drive over the mountain. It was snowing. I'd never been on snow before, not like that. Stopped on Mount Hood. I still remember it. Jumped on, stopped on Mount Hood near Government Camp. Jumped out, uh, got out because you know we wanted to let Goldie play in the snow. She'd never played in the snow before anything. She jumped out and boom, she drowned in the snow. I jumped out after her. I then drowned in the snow because I had no idea. Michelle is soft laughing because she grew up in this sort of stuff. Uh, she thought it was hilarious. Anyway, so we both, you know, me and Goldie, I've you know, got soaking wet jeans on, the sand shoes, I mean, I didn't know. We jumped back in the car, freezing cold, drove over the hill just a little bit more, as you know, and the sky was blue. And I thought, this is just too much fun. This is great. So then we drove around Bend. This is in 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 
12, I think, something like that, 12, 13-ish. Um, and so we drove around, thought, this is pretty good, um, and just rented a motel somewhere for the night. Thought, this is terrific. Um, we'd heard that um, Ben had had an RV business at some point. We didn't know. We thought, oh, maybe this is what we do. Um, looked around, found somewhere to rent. A couple of months later, and you know, obviously it was Redmond Airport. I go from Redmond to LA to Australia, so that was good. That was no problems. Uh, and that was it. We knew not a soul, nobody, absolutely nobody. I was somewhere. I, I got that's right. I got some business cards made with a picture of an Earth cruiser, Earth cruiser on the back, and I went door knocking. I didn't know where to buy nuts and bolts. I didn't. I literally didn't know anyone. Nothing. I didn't know how to rent a building. I didn't know how to hire anybody. Uh, I didn't know how to explain what I was trying to do. I mean, nothing. You know, literally starting again. You know. So I was kind of during the daylight hours here. I was working here, and of course, you know, the times different. So in the, at night time, I was basically working in Australia. So it, it was very, very long days, door knocking, trying to understand stuff, trying to learn as much as I could. I was talking to a mate of mine in Australia, you know, either in a, in a bar around here somewhere or in a coffee shop. I actually don't quite remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And someone overheard me and I was just saying, I was just trying to figure out how to hire people. And someone overheard the conversation and it turned out to be one of the local hire companies. They said, look, if you need some help, we'd love to help. And that's how it started. Um, and Eric uh, put me in touch with a couple of people who you know, had some manufacturing experience in Bend. Um, I bought them a beer and, and, and started to piece some stuff together. And it was, it was really hard. You know, it was really, really hard. You know, we, we'd sunk you know, nearly all of our money into starting Earth Cruiser in Australia you know, so we there was no great wads of cash, not at all. It was it was hard. It was really hard. And then um, people were asking us, you know, will you build us an Earth Cruiser? And we thought, well, maybe. Uh, and then we made the decision. Okay, I think we can figure this out. We packed up. Uh, you know, we still had customers in Australia, and so we made copies of some molds in Australia. Earth Cruisers are all molded, so that which was for, you know, repetitive production. But, of course, the door's on the wrong side. Everything is wrong. Everything's on the opposite side, okay? So I had to go and talk to Fuso, which is a, the chassis that we mostly use, to see if they would support us and what their attitude was. I had to try and figure out what the federal rules were for building vehicles um, in the U.S., and I found out basically there is none, um, and that was really confusing to me because I just... Anyway, uh, trying to figure out insurance. How can you have business insurance for when the – what are you going to make? How much are you going to sell these for? How many are you going to sell? That was a big thing by itself. You know, Australia being such a small uh, small uh, population, there's only 24 million people, you know, if some if you build 10 of something, well, that's great. You know what I mean? That's terrific. If someone's going to build 10 of something in America, they go, you're kidding, right? I mean, that's a hobby. That's not a business. Is that – it was the first, that, that was always the first thing. How many of these things are going to make? And you can see people doing a mental calculation of, you know, of volume. And we said, well, we have no, we 
We don't know. We could, there could be one. There could be two. We've got no idea. And that's just how it was. So we um, convinced some fiberglass companies to help us because now we've got to completely retool. We had to literally start all over again. I mean, from nothing. That is not a very nice place to be at, at all, you know. Really dumb thing. Um, you know, under, you know, the banking, the insurance, the tax, it's all different. It's insanely different. Uh, and so, you know, just a lot, a, lot, a lot of learning, you know, trying to really catch up and trying to balance uh, <laughs> and and reminding oneself that you know absolutely nothing. Everything you thought you knew, which is, is quite applicable to another place, but to this new place, it means it's worthless. It means nothing. Very, that was a hard lesson. You know, you, know, you get to a certain stage, well, yeah, I know some stuff. I'll, you know, I can sort of take care of myself, only to have to start completely all over again from zero, even less than zero, because you almost got to wipe the hard drive clean and start all over again. While people want to believe that you know what you're talking about. So at that point, when you were still figuring it out, were you, um, I mean, were you like kind of just telling people like, oh yeah, we, we, we're doing it. We can do it. No, nope. I said, I've got, no, I use one of my favorite sayings is that there's only a couple of million things left to go wrong. I cannot guarantee you anything, not a thing. Uh, because we couldn't. I mean, we, we just couldn't. Uh, and it, it was that we um, we were terribly fortunate now, you know, you know, there was a couple of customers from Australia driving around in the U.S. because they knew we were here, so they'd come to visit. And they were very, very gracious that um, uh, we could, um, uh, um, you know, show people their vehicles. And what, probably one of the best things that happened to us, we had one customer in, in uh, he was in, whatever, he was in Polo Alta. Alta, he said, listen, he said, Look, I really want to have the first Earth Cruiser. You're not ready to build them here by the sound of it. I said, probably not. I said, well, how about we build it for you in Australia and send it back over? And he mm. goes, that's perfect. So that's what we did. So that, that, that was a way I could use what I knew in Australia, um, but get all the rules and all the rest of it sorted out for the United States. And that, and that gave me that. You know, there's always a way, right? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I got a truck from the US, shipped it back to Australia, went back to Australia for a little while, built his Earth Cruiser in Australia as a um, left-hand drive vehicle for the US, mm-hmm. which was by itself, and then we sent it back out and then, then we brought it back and it's been and it was turned out fabulous. And that, for me personally, gave me not, not necessarily a lot of confidence but at least we were starting to get some runs on the board. You know, you, you gotta, you know, you gotta have a couple of wins. And after that, then things start to pick up. After that, we go, well, this is what we're doing. This is what we want to look like. And people go, ah, oh, okay, no worries. You know, and then then it started to start. And then we, you know, we, we were around long long enough then that you know the culture shock wasn't so dramatic for me. I was starting to get a grip on how things worked. Starting to understand. There's a difference between traveling and making decision to stay. And this is also kind of interesting. 
is that, you know, when you're traveling around a place, you know, you can, you don't, you know, you know, well, at the worst possible scenario, I can just jump on a plane and go somewhere else. But when you make a decision, and particularly when you have, when you take, uh, not take, when you have a customer, and when there's a financial transaction, you know, that commitment, you've got to fulfill that commitment. That's all there is to it. And so I, I could feel to myself there was, there was def- not a change, but there was a, um, you know, this is serious. You know, this is, you, you don't muck around with this. You, you've made a commitment, you must keep it. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it was, um, it was, it was hard but healthy. It was good. So that, I, you know, we're, we're doing this. And so if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. And that's all there is to it. And that was a good thing. That wasn't a bad thing. That was, you've burned the boats. You're going to make this happen. That's all there is to it. And that's a good thing. You know, you know that in your own business. There's a step that goes, this is the only way I'm going to feed myself, so I'm going to make it work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a step. Yeah. And, you you know, and there, yeah, no, I like, I like that you said there's always a way. It's really cool hearing about your story too because building vehicles is, it's a big, that's a big feat. And just the fact that you were still able to figure out, you know, building in another country and getting it over here, it's pretty awesome. And, and then you, you know, fast forward a little while, you start to make some of those things work for you then, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so now now we knew how to build vehicles, you know, left. You know, now we've got a few customers in the US and things are starting to sort out. We're, we're figuring things out. Mm-hmm. But but now, uh, you know, there is certainly things, you know, you know, plus minus everything. But now, because we can build left and right-hand drive, we thought, well, this is a perfect time to start figuring out export. And so from here, we were sending them to uh, Mongolia and the Middle East and Europe from here because we could, because that was very difficult for us in Australia because we didn't have access to a left-hand drive vehicle to figure out a left-hand drive vehicle. Well, now I'm in the perfect opportunity to figure out not only the left-hand drive vehicles, but also what is it like to really travel for months and months in cold weather. You can't mm-hmm. do that sort of stuff. It's just not possible. And, and so it's just how you want to think about it, right? I mean, you can cry in your beer or you can go, you know what, there's actually a really good opportunity here. And it's just how you want to think about it, how you want to put it together. And that's that's all it is, really. And so I can say for, from a personally and from a business perspective, having to work it out and moving to Bend is one of the best things we ever did, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's terrific, you know. We hosted on a phone call with some people um, uh, it, from Turkey uh, yesterday and, you know, they want to try and figure out, you know, if we can do some business or not. And I said, what are you talking to me for? And they said, listen, you know, people know Earth Cruiser. I said, but you're in Turkey. And they go, yeah, we know Earth Cruiser. How do you know Earth Cruiser? Well, we see them drive through our country. And we look them up and we find out that, well, yeah, Australia, yeah, but more importantly, they're built in the U.S., therefore you understand left-hand drive. Yep. Isn't that interesting? Never would that happen. That's really cool. If anything happens with these nice people in Turkey, I've got no idea. But, it, you know, sure. it, it, it's nice, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. That's a nice thing. You know? so Absolutely. I love it. Sure. Challenges bring you to give you the challenge to overcome them and become even better. Yeah, but we don't get, get there on our own, right? You know, back to what I was saying Absolutely. earlier, without having f- fantastic people around us, we just no, it just wouldn't work. You know, it's it's 
nobody gets there by himself. They just don't. You know, it, it's you know, you, you, I I strongly believe that um, by your you know you, you'll be known um, by your friends. You'll be known you know, by your friends. You will be known from the people that you surround yourself with. That's how people will see you, even if before you get a chance to open your mouth and say a word. They've already decided. You know, and and I can't say it enough. We are so fortunate to be surrounded by fantastic people. Absolutely. That's awesome. How did you begin to test Earth Cruisers? Did you just, I mean, did you, like, where did you test them? How did you decide where to test them? And uh, was it fun um, or difficult? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was a difficult process building Earth Cruiser into what it is today. Um, but, yeah, what was that process like? No, that's actually a really good question. That's a great question. All right, so the um, the very first one um, was actually it wasn't taken by me it was taken by a friend of mine to um, to Russia and it wasn't really an earth cruiser but it was a kind of a concepty type thing but, but the first um, earth cruiser uh, what I call earth cruiser proper that that was I got to do a ton of testing on that myself and that was fantastic fun but th- th- there's two levels of testing like there's the Fun part of it, you know, driving up a hill, that's fun. I like doing that sort of stuff and spending some time in it and all that. That's great. But the the hard, well, not hard, the, um, the tenth part of the testing in is the federal government, particularly part in Australia. Mm, okay. So how how it works is you, uh, you literally are at their mercy. They, the, the, uh, the rule, manufacturing rules are extremely strict. So as an example, we have boring stuff, but mm-hmm. it's important because we, um, you know, we change wheels and we change tyres, the federal government does not care about what's written on the side of the tyre if it's strong enough to whatever the application. They don't care about that. What they must have is a letter um, or from the tyre manufacturer themselves saying that their tyres are suitable for our application. Mm. So think about Tiny little company like Earthcruiser, sure. we are contacting all of these tyre manufacturers saying we want to use your tyres, but before we can use them, you guys have got to say that they're okay. Any tyre executive in their right mind would go, no way in the world. I mean, you guys are going to you know, buy a handful of tyres and we're going to have all this liability and that is, no, we're not going to do it. And so that really, I mean, right there it stops, you know. Um, you build a vehicle from the tyres up. You can't figure out the tyres, you have no vehicle. So you've got to get that part right first. So anyway, we're so fortunate. Michelin in Australia at the time, were they had a bit of a marketing drive on. They were looking for a poster child. And we were just, I think we just got lucky. And, and they, you know, we just pestered them. We had to go to, not go to France, but you know, Michelin's a French company. So we were contacting um, wherever it was in France. And pestering them to say, will you will you do this? And they said, yes. And so then what happens, we get the tyres, get the wheels. We had to make the wheels because the wheels didn't exist. We had to make our own wheels. Then you send them off to get tested. And if the federal government say they fail, you're, you're done. There, finished, out. So, and there's that. that's one process of many. So, uh, because we had, we have changing this, not changing, we've, Producing this vehicle to be an expedition vehicle, now it's got bigger wheels on it, it's got bigger suspension, and so the headlights now are a different height that they were from when the vehicle first got brought into Australia. So therefore, the headlights are out of compliance. 
So true story, we had to go and get that headlight recomplied to an EU standard. That happened with mirrors, with seats, wow. everything. Process. Right? And so the testing, it's, that's, it's expensive and it takes a long time. I mean, it's terrific for our customers. I mean, I sleep great because, you know, it's, it's not us doing it. And that testing, because it's EU testing, it's also recognised here, is so that uh, that um, that is what's hard because you, you're trying to do everything right but know that at any time they can go, no, we don't like that. No, we don't like that. No, we don't like that. Because they can. They can. And generally speaking, they're really good about it. Uh, they come out and they'll inspect the premises and they'll inspect the vehicle and make sure it, they'll do it two or three times while we're building the first one, which is that's what they do. I mean, it's really strict. And it's and from a customer's point of view, it's really, really important, you know. And it, it's so the full drive driving part, great. Going through all of the um, hoops, not great. That is just awful. No, and you know rules change, so it's it's um, that was hard. Uh, the US has a completely different system. However, like I said, a lot of that stuff still carries over, so that's good. But that is hard. So now driving out and using them all the time, that is just the best fun in the whole wide world. That is that that's I've got the best job in the world. So yeah, so, yeah. No, so we we've taken our truck through Africa. We've taken it through Asia. We've now we're planning on an owner's trip in Arizona, I think. We're just waiting on the Kobe thing to see what the border looks like. But, um, yeah, so we're planning on that. We'll be in Baja sometime in February. You know, yeah, life is good. Oh, how fun. That's awesome. I'm feeling, inspi- I'm feeling inspired to travel now. Yeah. We planned to go to Alaska, and then Kobe showed up, and we couldn't go through Canada. So that was a bit of a problem. Yeah, Alaska would be a great place to tour around. I, I, you know, I've never heard anybody say a bad word about Alaska. It's just everybody comes back glowing about Alaska, so, except for the mosquitoes. But I don't care about mosquitoes. Like I, I went to Anchorage last year uh, in November, and I think it was it was negative thirteen, and in Fairbanks, just like a couple hours over, it was negative thirty five. Some people really, some people like it. That is seriously cold. See, I, I'm I'm not designed for that. I, I'm not designed for that. No. Yeah, good time to visit when it's not that cold, maybe. Awesome. Okay, so I, I just have a couple more questions for you. How many models um, of Earth Cruiser do you have now? So, Because I, I know you have a couple more than what you start, the original one was. So we have what we call the EXP, which is the one that goes in the shipping container. That's the one we started with. That's, that's by, by far and away is the main, that we, main one that we build. The next one is what we call the FX, which has got a fixed roof, but it's basically the same truck except the roof doesn't go up and down, it's fixed. Uh, that was started, uh, um, that was um, interesting because the people, the folks in North America really like the idea of the fixed roof rather than the lifting roof, but that's come around a little bit differently now, which is kind of interesting. Uh, folks in Europe, uh, they, it's so funny, they were sure that the only thing, only one they were going to want was the lifting roof, but it's been the fixed proof, so whatever. That's the fun thing about marketing, right? You can do all the market research you like, mm-hmm. but the only thing that matters is that invoice, you, you know. Yep. Quotes don't pay bills, right? An invoice pays Absolutely. a bill. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, and, and, and we're 
building right now, which is very exciting for us, is what we call Terra Nova, which will be based, again, will be a lifting roof, uh, be based on a one-ton truck. So that uh, will hit the road in February, and that's very exciting. That's happy about that. And we've had, and we've had um, some little what we call mods, you know, slide-in truck campers. They're on the back burner for us right now just because we're just so busy. You know, we're, we're so busy with our big trucks. We just don't have the space and, and the people to uh, build the little ones right now. And hopefully we can do that later next year. But right now we're just so busy. So it's great. Not a bad problem to have, I suppose. What has been the most, maybe one of the most exciting places that you've taken Earth Cruiser or just a memorable, a memorable place? Uh, look, I mean, I know this is probably going to sound really dumb, but one of my favourite places to take an Earth Cruiser is Heart Mountain in the middle of winter because there's nobody there. There, You know, when you drive up, um, ideally when it's snowing out there, some of those roads get really hard, which, of course, is ideal for us. Uh, but, you know, some of those really remote hot springs out there, you've got to know where to find them. But, yeah, you might have to drive through a lot of snow, whatever. I, I know this sounds – it's so silly. Maybe it's silly. I don't know. But that, that I, I have some just really good memories of that. I mean, we've had some terrific times out there. It's, you know, so, you know, maybe people are expecting me to say, you know, summer in Mongolia or something. Yes, I love Mongolia. Um, but remember, I'm just a poor dumb Aussie and I've never grown up in places like, you know, like Heart Mountain with those with the beautiful steam mountains covered in snow. That to me glorious you know i've never i never got to see anything like that when i was a kid and so it's all perspective right you know like you know we we just spent quite a long time actually in turkey earlier this year driving around having a wonderful time like i said just come back from croatia and you know on the dalmatian coast is absolutely gorgeous but i tell you what central oregon's got an awful lot going for it, it it's hard but you know what i mean it's it really is so it's, um i don't know I know you're probably hoping for something a little bit more exotic, but it's just really special. No, not at all. Yeah, no, it's actually been one thing that I've been thinking about recently and talking to um, a lot of people about. I, you know, I've traveled a little bit, and it's always been my dream to travel the world. However, I've realized in like recent travels that I think you can travel, and there's like there are amazing places all over the world. However, your sometimes your own backyard is one of the best places. It is interesting, isn't it? You know how. It just in, just while I've been here, you know, like I said earlier, when we talked about an Earth cruiser when we first arrived in the US, people thought I'd come from Mars, you know. Um, now every second vehicle is a sprinter and every third one's got a rooftop tent, you know. Things yep. <laughs> that's so true. much, you know what <laughs> I mean. And I think that's great. I mean, obviously it's good for us and all that, but I think it's just great to, as you say, you know, get to know your own backyard because it's phenomenal. It's you know, I, I, I'm really, you know, I'm really fortunate. You know, I've got to go a lot of places. I'm going to tell you, this is not bad. I mean, people, it's really good. It really is. Yep. You know? Yeah, we're lucky to live in such a great place. Okay, this question is just a, a personal question. This can be in per, this can pertain to Earth Cruiser or just your life. What would you say is the most important thing that you've learned in life and maybe why? Important? No, I don't know. I can put that in one or theme, or or you can say a couple. Okay, so 
without getting too gooey about it, <clears throat> excuse me, too gooey about it, is it's about keeping a commitment. Is that if you make a commitment, do everything you can to keep it. Because those quiet moments just before you slop, fall asleep, those quiet moments just before you wake up, pay attention to those. Because if there's something something not quite right, that's where it's going to pop up. And one of the best things I think we can do, uh, for me, is you make a commitment, you keep it. I love that. So if in 150 years science fails to save us and all that is left is a book about your life, what would the title be and what would the blurb tell us about you? Oh, I like that. I had a friend of mine who wrote, and this is not the answer, but I had a friend of mine who wrote his um, his diary and he just basically mm -hmm. wrote out his life and then tried to live it. Never worked. Um, like he, he he wrote it out before he lived it? Like he was right out of the things he wanted to do? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. Exactly, yeah. Never worked. Yeah, yeah but it never worked because it was impossible to know. Um, okay. Um, I would want uh, – it's a cliche, but it's actually really – it's a cliche, but I really like it, is that – not to die with a song still in you. It's just awful. Don't don't do that, you know. And I, I think we let ourselves down because sometimes we don't want to be vulnerable. Sometimes we, we want to think we're smarter than we are. And it's difficult to have that balance between self-confidence and asking for help. And that is tricky. So... Yeah, and no, I, I, I refuse to say that I, – I refuse to let – to I refuse – when I die, I refuse to go, If was that it? That's all there was. I, ref, I will not have that conversation with myself. Absolutely. What would you say is the best way to make sure that you don't do that? I mean, I know it's a lifelong process, but, yeah. Okay, no problem. Is uh, it's the don't, mm -hmm. it's the don't like to. You know, all those things we don't like to do. You know, we sometimes don't mm -hmm. like to have to sit and study to learn something. You know, it's the don't like to's. There's a reason we don't like to do them because um, they're hard, and because there's something in our conscious saying that we need to. So try, try not to be scared of the don't like to's. Those things that we don't, you know, that phone call we don't like to make, you know, that thing that we don't like to have to say, try to pay attention to those. And don't get around, I'm no saint. I screw things up all the time, but I try to pay attention to them. Yep, that's great. Well, so lastly, is there any advice that you would give to students who maybe are interested or curious about maybe who have a business idea or would like to start their own business? Um, but don't know where to start or don't believe that they can? Um, well, there's three things there. The um, first and foremost, figure out why you're doing it. You know, try and if, if you're there to you know, make a million bucks and if that's your motivation, nothing wrong with that, but keep that. So do that. You know? If it's because you want to, 
uh, provide a, a service for people who are underserved, do that. What I'm trying to say is, you know, the richest, the richest person in the world can only eat so much and do so much. Figure out what is really seriously motivating you. Is it because you want to find out if you can? Great. But do that. You know what I mean? You know, it's coming back to that commitment. You know, keep that commitment to yourself and people will will understand that. You know, and they'll, that they, will, um, they will honor you for keeping the commitment to yourself if you can explain that. And people go, fine. I mean, you know, don't, don't be one of those ones that want, you know, tomorrow never comes, you know. Don't wander around in the dark hoping that suddenly something's all going to come together. It doesn't, you know. There's, uh, yeah, there's the old saying that time nor tide waits for no one. It doesn't, you know. Just start, you know. Why is it so hard to get in the morning, get up in the morning and go for a run? Why is it so hard? Because it's hard to start. So it's hard to start. So, you know, you know why you're putting it hard? You have already started because you're realising that it's hard. Acknowledge that for yourself. You've already started. You recognise it's hard, that's great. The reason you know that it's hard is because you're already doing something. So just keep going. Take that step. Take that step. You know, uh, is education fabulous? Of course. But I, I can't say enough, you know, get those people around you. And not not just yes people, people have a really honest conversation with you about what you want to do and how you want to do it. Those people are out there, just get them to help. They want to help. And nobody knows it all. And somebody, nobody knows it all. And sometimes you've got to just start all over again. And I can say that from personal experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah, just you just got to start and take the first step sometimes and, and realize that maybe if you're afraid, then you just have to take, yeah, I just have to take the first step. That's it. But, but if you're feeling afraid, you have already taken the first step. That's the beautiful mm-hmm. That's part of it. It's a great point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You already started. You're already on your way. So just take another one. Just take another one. Just take another one. Yep. I think that fear of that fear of fail, failure too can be can be a big one, and not or even fear of success. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I I I suspect more people are worried about success than failure. It's interesting because it's it sounds a little paradoxical because they don't know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. They don't know what what that uh, what is it? Why am I doing this for? Right. It's unknown. Yeah. Thanks for sitting with me for an hour. No, no, I really appreciate it. So, no, really, really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this was a great conversation. I enjoyed learning about Earth Cruiser and just about your own experience. And there's always a lot of a lot of life lessons in entrepreneurship. And thanks for sharing your insights and your life story. And I'm really inspired by your energy and your your outlook on life and and people. And I'm really I'm really humbled to have spoken with you. So, thanks, Lance. Thank you. Um, and you're gonna have to tell me about Alaska sometime. Absolutely. I sure will. If there's anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate. It means a lot to us. That's all for this episode, Ben Beeves. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Career Lift Podcast.